The text is John chapter 4, 23 and 24. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The title of this is Worshipers That the Father is Seeking. Now, who are these worshipers? Who are these true worshipers that Jesus said the Father was looking for? And what is it about them that the Father would actually be out looking for them? What is that? What's going on that the Father would do that? To answer the question, we have to go back to the beginning. We have to go back to the book of Genesis. And we have to look at the fact that God created Adam and Eve in his own image. But because God is spirit then he created them with a spirit and it was in their spirit that the which which was the god conscious part of them it was in their spirit it was there that god allowed them or that they, they they were allowed rather to hear the voice of god and to fellowship with him and so they worked the ground and they walked with god and everything was going along fine until one day a long time ago in a garden far, far away. Something happened that changed everything. Let me tell you about it. Back in the beginning, when this old world was new, the Lord created one to love, and from the one made two. And asking them, For nothing but to keep their hearts' devotion true. And he was watching. He was watching. And then Adam walked in fellowship until deception came. And then he ran away from the God he loved and hid himself in shame. Because he heard the sound of the Lord of life and he knew he'd caused him pain. Was searching, yeah, he was searching and calling to him, Adam, Adam, where are you now? Where are you going, Adam, Adam? I love you so. away from God that day when they walked away from the presence of God that day something inside of them the human spirit that God had given them in his own image it died it was still there but it was unresponsive it had lost its its ability and its capacity to function in the way that God had intended and the fellowship was broken 
sin had corrupted the intuitive knowledge of God that was in the spirit and the heart of Adam and Eve. They lost it and they were unable to function in the realm of the spirit and their communion with God was broken that day and God was not okay with that. Listen to his heart again. Come on, listen to this. Adam! (laughs) Adam. Where are you going, Adam? Adam. Adam. I love you so. Come home. Come home to me. And the heart of God just reaching out, calling him, calling him back. Do you understand the heart of God was broken because the fellowship with God was broken come home to me and so God was determined to restore what was lost and you know that's why Jesus came John chapter 10 verse 10 Jesus said I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly and I I know just enough Greek to be dangerous But I looked up, I actually buy the books of the guys who do, and I talked to Ramon, and I figured this out. But the Greek word for life there, I came that they might have life. The Greek word for life is zoe, which is speaking of the indestructible, the eternal, the uncreated life of God. That's what Jesus said, I came to give them. But see, Jesus doesn't just hand us eternal life like a birthday present in a box. You know how Jesus gives us the gift of eternal life? He comes himself personally and he lives inside of us. That's a gift giver. Right? That's what he does. Now, if he's the gift and he's the life, and look at this, Romans 8.10 then says this, Romans 8.10, if Jesus Christ is in you, if he's inside of you, then maybe your body is dead. Yeah, your body is dead because of sin, but your spirit is alive Because of righteousness. You know the word for alive? Guess what it is in the Greek? Zoe. Same word. The uncreated, indestructible, eternal life of God. And yet the Bible says here that Jesus came in John 10 to give us that. And here he says that your spirit is now alive with that very life. God created you with a human spirit as he did Adam and Eve. The difference is this. Well, actually, it's very similar at first, but because of the fall in the garden, because of what happened back there, your spirit was never really truly alive. You were born in iniquity, conceived in iniquity. So your spirit was not alive. It was never energized. It was a light switch just turned off. And there you were until you knew Jesus. You were sitting there in the dark, spiritually, waiting. Ah, but the moment that Jesus came in, Do you remember it? Can you bring it back? Somehow the whole thing just changed. The lights came on inside of you. Your spirit lit up like a Christmas tree. (laughs) Yeah. Christmas doesn't sound quite like that, but anyway, I had to say that because... So now you have inside of you his own life-giving Zoe spirit inside of you. 
Paul tells us this. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last Adam, Jesus Christ, became the life-giving spirit. Now, you probably are out there thinking, okay, this is really great theology. Thank you, Pastor Tim. What does this have to do with worship? The short answer is everything. The long answer is what you're going to get, though. Well, thanks for that. You're welcome. Honestly, I've been waiting for months and months to give you my heart. So according to our text in John 4, the worship that pleases the Father is spiritual in nature. It's why it's called worship in spirit. Exactly. So that's generated in our human spirit by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Now, this is getting fun and complicated all at the same time. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, The one who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. So the lowercase s and the capital S for the human spirit, the divine spirit, the Christmas tree, the push, all right, the life, the Zoe coming in, it's all just happening. I can see it in multicolors in my brain right now. But it's all working there together. So it's, it's your spirit and it's his spirit, and it's all together inside of you. See, this is nothing really new because it was prophesied by Ezekiel back in chapter 36 of his book. When God said to us through Ezekiel, he said, I will put a new spirit in you, and I will put my spirit in you. That's a, that's a good news moment right there. He's going to give us a new spirit. He's going to put his spirit inside of us, which brings up a very important question, which is this. How can the spirit of an infinite God fit inside people like us? I'm glad you asked that question. We need to look at a truth that God gave to Solomon back in 1 Kings 8.27. Solomon stands there. He's built his temple. He's going to dedicate the temple. And he looks at God and says, heaven and the highest heavens cannot contain you. The Message Bible says, I love the Message Bible, the cosmos itself isn't large enough to give you breathing room, God, much less this temple that I have built. Now, biblical proportions, I think I'm right on this. I did some of the math, got my little phone out there and calculator. Okay, Solomon's temple, according to the dimensions in the Bible, 121,500 cubic feet. So, okay, 121,500 of those guys. The average human being is two and a half, 2.5 cubic feet. Okay, so maybe 3.3 cubic feet after one of Kyler's lunches with chicken patties, then maybe I'm a little more volume. But the fact is, normally speaking, two and a half cubic feet. Okay, so God could not fit. Let's work in the math here because it's getting kind of sketchy. God could not fit in the temple of Solomon and yet the Bible says that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. Right? So the very same God that Solomon realized by revelation could not be contained even, forget his temple, he couldn't be contained by heaven in the highest heavens. And yet somehow he actually lives inside of us. You ready for the answer? This is going to fry your motherboard if you really think about this. Our spirit is not limited to the size of our body. Lucas sound right there, like a theater. Okay, sorry about that. 
Our spirit is not limited to the size. Now, don't, don't worry. I'm not getting too new agey mystical. I'm just going to say something to you. You need to hear this. With that one statement, we are stepping beyond the boundaries of science and logic. We're entering the realm of the supernatural. We're entering the realm of the spirit. And that's where we need to look at for a minute. And our three-dimensional world and our laws of physics no longer apply. There's something a whole lot more to what God has made us. If he is who he is and he's made us in his image, there's a whole lot more than just this 6'5", whatever I am now. I think I'm still about 6'5". Clothes are pretty close to fitting. So I think I am still until I start to shrink as an old man. I'll never be an old man, by the way, because old is always 10 years older than who I am. So I'll never be old. But anyway, that's beside the point. Okay. So God who is spirit, check this out. God who is spirit, you know that. Jesus taught us that. He has no body. So being God and without a body, he has no limitations, which means this. He is alive and well and active right now in Lima, New York, just as much as he is in Lima, Peru. (laughs) That's a little word pun if you get that. Okay, good. Now watch this statement. Because he made us in his image, there is a spiritual dimension inside this body of ours that is not limited to this size of this body of ours. Let me read that again. Because he made us in his image, there's a spiritual dimension inside this body of ours that is not limited to the size of this body of ours. In other words, ready for the bottom line? This is like that math that I can never figure out. The bottom line is this. The infinite God can and does live inside of us because the inside of us is larger than the outside of us. Brain spinning right now. What in the world are you talking about? Listen to what C.S. Lewis said. You like C.S. Lewis? He trusts C.S. Lewis? Okay, on here. Christians, he said, are like the stable in Bethlehem where the baby Jesus lay. He said the inside of that stable held something that was larger than the entire world. Are you catching some of the sense of where I'm going with this? There's more to you than meets the eye. There's more to any of us. There's a spirit. We are made in the image of God. And when God has his way, something deep, searching, deep, deep down inside, beyond what my five senses can begin to understand. Now, let me try to illustrate this using something that you might have heard of. It's called a volcano. You ever been around a volcano? I was three years in Hawaii. It's where I got saved, by the way, and so that was fun. So I didn't really see an active, like, run-for-your-life kind of volcano. But the fact is, I've learned about them, began to study them. And, and it was through um, George McDonald. I'll talk about him in a second. But George McDonald said some things that helped me. So I understand that a volcano, when it erupts, the whole, and I had all kinds of good slides. I was going to give you like a live demonstration, but that would have been messy in the carpet. So anyway, so you get the fire and the lava and the smoke, and they're shooting out of the top of this mountain. Okay, that volcanic activity started, began way, way down. You ever heard of a magma chamber? Okay, what, what you need to realize is the magma chamber is not where it starts. That's where it pools together before it shoots up and out. Actually, further down beneath the surface is where it begins. Okay, I'm going to switch from lava to water. Anybody have been, been in the, the Pacific Ocean? Vivian, I know you have. Thank you. Oh, and sisters, yes, alike, swimmers. Okay, let me go way over in the Pacific Ocean. There is a point in the bottom of the ocean that's, as far as we know, the deepest point 
underwater in the world. It's called the Mariana Trench. To get a feel for that, you're hovering on your boat right over there, floating, looking down through murky waters. You would have to go seven miles straight down, over 36,000 feet, to get to the bottom of the Mariana Trench. That, thank you for that. It's like a sweet little amen right there. And this kind of, that's a long way down. Now, let me give you a feel. With that as a point of reference, realize this. A volcano says, oh, yeah, that ain't nothing. A volcano takes, it starts, the volcanic activity starts not seven miles, but between 40 and 120 miles beneath the surface. Amen. (laughs) So we got this activity going on way, way down inside, which means that, do the math here, okay, there's the mountain, there's the fire, the smoke, the lava coming out. But to realize that that's what I can see, what I can't see is far, far, far greater, way, way, 120 miles, go with me, all the way down. That's the unseen part. That's what a volcano actually is. That's where it begins. So that's, it's important for you to catch the analogy here because the volcano is an analogy of what? Of the human spirit, of the depths inside of you, the depths of the human spirit. And that inside of you is what affects your worship. And that's the part that God has such an interest in. They who worship the Father must worship in spirit. And I thought that was just kind of like a, it settles nicely from my head to my heart. And a little little spiritual part of me right there, God says, oh no. What you are is you're made in my image. And what you are is you are deep. Deeper than you know. Way, way down inside. George MacDonald, let me say, let me just give you what he said. He was a 19th century theologian and he was an author. But he said that the depths of our heart are a mystery. Have you ever wondered about your heart, the depth of your own spiritual life? Can you fathom it all? Do you understand all of what goes on in your heart? Sometimes it's like, I have no idea who I really am. I just, I'm thinking things, I'm saying things, I'm feeling things. I don't know where it comes from. It's like this this roiling depth, and I can't even begin to see the bottom. And that's, if, if, if you ever experienced that, you're probably exactly right on. George McDonald said this, the roots of your heart go down beyond your knowledge. In fact, he says, whole eternities beyond it to the heart of God. So deep down in the recesses of your being, unknown to you but not unknown to God, there's activity going on. The Lord is at work. I wish I could dramatize this and bring it out, but I I can see it in my mind. It's like he is coming up because he's way down before you knew he was ever there. He's way, way down, 40, 50, 80, 120 miles, just to use that analogy, but so far down. And he starts coming up, and he's like the lava in the volcano, and he's working his way. He's working his way, and he's coming up, and he's coming This is beyond your knowledge. He's way in the deep parts, in the yucky parts, in the dark parts, and all that parts. He's just, he's coming up. And slowly coming into the light of your consciousness long before you were ever aware that he was there. And you just look over there, you look down in your heart and say, Lord, what are you doing down there? 
I mean, that's a long way down, and I really can't see very much, maybe a mile. I can't see much of anything, but you tell me it's super deep. What are you doing down there? Got your hard helmet on, I can see. You got a jackhammer. You're working away at something. I see the dust coming up occasionally. Philippians is disarmingly simple when it says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You know why? Because it's God. Who's at work in you? How far down? Just, no. We're talking bungee jumping all the way down to the depths. I got to hire you, whoever you are. Thank you for that whistle. (laughs) But God is down there doing what only God can do and that he is in the foundation of your volcano. He's in the depths of your spirit and he is perfecting holiness. That's what he's down there for. He's perfecting holiness. Listen to 2 Corinthians 7.1. Paul says, beloved ones, beloved ones, beloved ones. Listen, because of our deepest respect and worship of God, we must remove everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit and continue to complete the development of holiness within us. Brother Stacy, that's the Passion Translation. He and I love that. Beloved ones, because of our deepest respect and worship of God, we must remove everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit and continue to complete the development of holiness within us. Did you catch what he just said here? I'm thinking contamination, pollution, that kind of stuff, that makes sense in my body. But he says, no, your spirit, your human spirit, actually can have a contamination within it. That's why God is down in those depths of who you are. It's not just your body, it's your spirit. David knew this in the Old Testament. He said in Psalm 32, blessed is the one in whose spirit there is no deceit. In whose spirit there's nothing false. In whose spirit there's nothing dishonest. In whose spirit there's no double agenda. Just you are, what do you say to Nathaniel in John 1.47? Like, behold an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. Just, I'm seeing transparency right through this man. Jesus looked at him and read him in his spirit. The New Testament teaches that when this Holy Spirit lives inside of us, the Bible says he searches our hearts. He's in there. Bless you. And he does, and he blesses us. It's nothing to sneeze at, too. He blesses us. I set her up. The check's in the mail for that. (laughs) But he searches. He gets inside. The Holy Spirit's inside of us. He's down there. He's searching. He's looking. He's He's going after things. We sang it earlier. David said this in Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Because I don't know how to do it. I can't get down that far. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me. If you don't like the word wicked, don't read the King James. But, if you, but realize it's not a bad translation. It's just that the Hebrew actually means more than a wicked way. It means that there's no hurtful way. There's no way of pain in me. There's no offensive way. There's no idolatrous way inside of me. Search me and make sure of that. In fact, the Living Bible, which is like the message Bible of the 70s, the Living Bible says, point out anything you find in me that makes you sad. Wow. God, 
That's what, but that, that sense, that heart, point out anything that you find in me that makes you sad. So here I am, like I said a minute ago, a young believer. Search me, oh God, and know my heart, everything, it's all yours, and I get up and it's true. But then God works a little more. Has he done anything in you here at Elam where you came in here and you were thinking, basically I'm done. I'm going to go to Bible school, learn a few more facts. But, you know, God's kind of had his way and kind of the gift of the planet here because it's all good to go. And yet and God begins to uncover stuff and reveal stuff and make you conscious of things you never thought were ever there, motivations that you thought there's no way I can even be saved anymore because I'm thinking the things that I'm thinking right now. Has God ever is God at work in you? That's why you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling because God, now I'm seeing there's the stuff in me and I, I don't know where that came from. And God says, it's been there all the time. I saw it all. I loved you. I bought the whole field. Everything I bought because I'm after the treasure. But he says, now that I've got you, now that I got the treasure, fire up the heart or fire up the, the jackhammer and And God's going forward because he is inside of us perfecting holiness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is what he's doing. He's down there. He's cleaning up our spirit. And our spirit, you got to know, your spirit is the deepest. It's the most intimate part of who you are as a human being made in the image of God. It's the very essence of your identity. It's the very essence of your personhood. So we've got this thing, this activity of this beautiful God inside of us. And it's like that lava coming up slowly, slowly, all the way, 120 miles down, working its way back up, up, up through the crevices. Here comes God in our hearts, in our spirit, down in the depths of our volcano. God has been at work far down, far back, deep within your spirit for a very long time. What for? To bring to the surface the manifestation of a deep, consecrating work of his spirit deep inside of you. Now listen to me. Don't miss this statement. It's the worship that is birthed from that deep volcanic part of who you are. That is what Jesus said the Father is looking for. It's the depths. Now let me try to explain to you why that's so important to him, that your worship is not just up here, something bubbling off the top of the mountain, something just rippling off your mouth. He's never been content when the heart and the mouth are not connected. Never. Oh, he loves you like you are, but he loves you enough not to leave you like you are. God is easy to please, but he's hard to satisfy. He loves the attempts you make. He loves the altar calls you make. He loves the surrender that you give to him. But then he kind of stands back and says, yeah, but I'm aware of all that's down there. You've surrendered what you know. And I'm grateful, he says, for that. I mean, I'm, I'm wonderful. You've done that. Let me just work for a while. You have to come back again. He's easy to please. Hard to satisfy. When is enough enough? Enough is enough. When God says enough is enough. When you, when he has had his way. Oh, God.
the deep places, the deep places inside. He's a jealous lover. So he's looking. He's looking down in the depths. Somebody, he's looking for people. I want to tell you something about what God's doing. He's looking for people that there's something about us that, amazingly enough, can, by the work of the Spirit, but it can begin to correlate with the one that we are made in, the one in whose image we are made. Okay, let me explain that better. God is looking for a partner. He's looking for a bride. How's that for biblical? All right, the bride of Christ. Okay, so he's looking for a bride who's holy because he's holy, and he's looking for someone that corresponds in the realm of the Spirit to himself. Let me explain. Let me sidebar for a second. I'm not a marriage counselor, but if I was, I would say things like this. If you're ever looking for a marriage partner, ooh, now I got your attention. What? Well, actually, I am. I came for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Elam Bridal Institute. I won't go there. If you find yourself looking for a marriage partner, the few things that I would suggest to you, number one, look for someone you can relate with. Okay? Look for someone that you have things in common with. Look for someone that you admire, that you respect. Look for someone that you trust. Look for someone with integrity. Look for someone who loves God deeply and loves you deeply. And lastly, I would say look for someone who's not shallow, but someone who's got some depth to them. Here's a girl to your right and my left over here. Her name is Margie. She was in my freshman class at Elam in 1977. And when I met her and I got to know her, all of those descriptions I just read to you, that's why I'm That's what I admired about her. But, of course, I wasn't blind. I also knew she was beautiful, fun. You know, she's fun, she's smart, she's cute, and all of that. I saw that, too, because I have natural eyes like the rest. But there was something about her that was deeper than any of the obvious outward things that attracted me to her. I saw a person of quality. I saw a person of spiritual depth. And for me, that separated her from all the others. All right. I realized that here was a woman that God had been deeply working in for over 20 years. And just as a guy, I want to say to you, I was very attracted to that. I loved the depth that she had. Not only did I want to be a person like that, I wanted to be with a person like that. Well, I'm saying that to say this to you. God is the same. He's looking He's looking for a bride. He's looking, but not just for any bride. And not a child bride. He's looking for someone who's going to be able to be with him for eternity. He's looking for those he can relate with. He's looking for those that he has much in common with. Those with integrity. Those that he can trust. Those who will love him and he can love back. He's looking for depth in the communion and in the worship of his bride. He's looking for her and he is at work in her. Because she is the one that he longs to spend eternity with. Oh, man, this has just turned into a love story. Yeah, well, long before we were aware of it, he was looking for the bride, the perfect bride. To use that picture, we started today back in Genesis with Adam and Eve. Let me just wrap it up here in a moment. A person who is born of the Spirit and a person who worships God in spirit from the depth of their being is a person with whom God has, in fact, restored the relationship and the spiritual communion with himself that was lost a long time ago. 
in a garden far, far away. It's called time. It's called all of what we've known in time and history that God has been searching for a bride. Oh, but he is going deep because he is deep. And so he made us in his image and he's digging down to the depths and he is perfecting holiness inside of us. And do you see how this stuff, we're talking about worship, do you see how this might be connected to our worship? Can anybody say amen to that? Do you see how this stuff would be of utmost importance to God? Who knows you on the inside. He knows he can plummet the depths of who you are inside. He said, no, that, there, he, she, they. I love them. I love the whole world. But these are the ones that have gladly chosen me now. These are the ones that have bowed the knee and surrendered. And they are opening their heart and they're allowing me. And God is so happy with this. He's opening. You're opening your heart to him and saying, Lord, just have your way. Have your way. Do what you need to do. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. And if there's anything in me that's offensive, that's hurtful, dig it up. Holy Spirit, dig it up. Go for it. So that out of my innermost being will flow Jesus and his life and his love and the worship that will be connected, not just to surfacely little mouth words talking that are connected to a, a wall somehow. And just like, I'm just saying it, but it's just, it's just talk. And God says, oh, son, daughter, I'm looking for so much more. And when he starts to find a people who will say, God, I'm sick and tired. of just singing songs and I want you to work, work. Please don't stop until everything I do this, I cry, I'm sorry. Until everything inside of me worships you. It's not a game. It's not a it's not a beauty contest. It's not a participatory, it's not a spectator sport. Worship is not a spectator sport. And I know enough about church history that breaks my heart sometimes when I see patterns that have repeated through church history. And we're back to this. When God, what God wants from worship is what needs to be the philosophy that I live by. And I don't go to Hillsongs in Bethel. I don't go to Europe. I don't go anywhere. I don't look for my philosophy of worship by a 20-something with the guitar over their shoulder. I go to the Bible I say, God, what do you want? And this is what I think he wants. How it all works out, I don't know. I know that it has to come back to him. But I did something that you might be allergic to. I wrote out a prayer. I know that in our circles, pastors can write sermons and they can write it all down, but prayer has to be spontaneous. It's just kind of a funny thing, the body of Christ, but anyway. I wrote down some thoughts. Now, the, the, the challenge, which I wasn't anticipating, was to be able to see what I wrote down because 
I wasn't expecting to be able to be emotional, but the fact is I am. So George McDonald said this, whether we know it or not, whether you know it or not, our heart in its depths is always crying out to God. Always crying out for God. Before you knew him, way down inside, he was calling to you. He was calling to you and you were little by little beginning to like shake yourself out of a longest dream and wake up. He was calling you to himself and he was just like the lava coming up in that mountain, rising, coming up and out and beginning to work in your heart. And there he was with his hard helmet on and finally brought out the tissue. Sorry, everybody. Okay. For Second Corinthians said, we must remove everything, everything from our lives that contaminates body and spirit. But I'm saying to Jesus, I can't do that alone. I don't know how to do that. I can repent if I see that it's wrong. I can drop to my knees at the altar, but I can't get down inside. I need you to search me. I need you to search my heart. We want to worship you with all of our heart. Work in our spirit. God, make us holy. I'm praying for you guys as well now, whether you realize I'm praying with my eyes open. Is that okay? I think God still hears that. Make us holy deep inside. Expand our capacity to hold more of you, more of your life. And like the root zone and the foundation of a volcano, far beneath the surface of our consciousness, in areas that are unknown to me, in the chasm of my spirit, deep inside, do a work, create a depth in our spirit that you're looking for. Deepen our ability to worship you as you desire to be worshipped and as you deserve to be worshipped. I will not rest as long as I am alive. I will not rest until everything inside of me worships God. Won't. Can't. I know too much. I've seen too much. And I want you to adopt that phrase by, by Mr. Tozer and make it personal. And I end that song, I end the song lyrics by saying this please don't rest, God. It's not just that I won't rest, I won't rest, but I can't rest because you're not resting until everything inside of me. So please don't rest, God, until everything inside of me worships you. Receive the benediction from the Lord's heart. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you.